What's up, Kairos? Hey, my name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor at Lutheran Church of Hope Ames. I also get to be a part of Kairos. I'm so excited to be with you all here in this space tonight. This space is just still so awesome, isn't it? Can we give God praise for this room? I mean, like, I tell you what, I said it last week and I'll say it again. I just, I just don't know rooms like this anymore. I mean, it's like they don't make them like this, the classic feel. Um, and I'm just very, very grateful that we can be here. A lot of you are in this space tonight. There are a lot of people who are watching online as well, our friends in Iowa City. On the count of three, everybody say, what's up, Iowa City? One, two, three. We love you guys so much. We're so glad that you can join us. They join us uh, via stream. It is good to be with you here tonight. Um, you're surrounded by a lot of people, socially distanced, and a lot of people wearing masks. But we all know that even if you are in a crowd, sometimes you can still feel very lonely. That was uh, a uh, song by Justin Bieber that came out very recently, um, and it's called Lonely. It's the edited version, in case you're wondering, and in case you go home tonight and listen to that song, you think, what did they play at Kairos? That is the edited version, and Justin Bieber's telling the story of his life. As his life took off into stardom, he's surrounded by people, but he just really feels like he's in the middle of an empty auditorium, feeling alone. There's this term that came out about seven or eight months ago. It's called social distancing. A lot of us know that we didn't have to go into social distancing before we actually felt alone, isolated, lonely. It's in these moments when we feel like that when we so desperately want a friend. We so desperately need a friend. And sometimes people think that friendship is like something that you maybe don't actually need. It's really something that's kind of a luxury in life. But if you didn't have friends, you'd be okay. I mean that because when it comes to the relationships in our life, friendship is almost sometimes at the very bottom of the totem pole. We talk about romantic love, and we're like, that's something that I absolutely must have in my life, and I'll keep on chasing after that. I'll make all sorts of sacrifices in my life in order to get that romantic love, to have someone look back at me face-to-face, to love me, to adore me. Then there's the family relationships. These are the kind of relationships that are formed through blood, And we have those relationships where sometimes we might not even like the person that we are loving in our family, but we're going to stick by them because they're family, and that's what family does. I find it interesting that in the Bible, God compares his relationship with humanity oftentimes to that of a romantic couple. God is that in love with you. God also compares his relationship with us to a family. God loves you that much that even when you misbehave, God still says, you're my child. We talked about that last week. But the Bible also talks about Friendship. Friendship. And maybe sometimes we underestimate friendship because we think, well, I mean, if that friendship doesn't work out, there's plenty of other people. I mean, they're not like that one romantic partner that I'm looking for. They're not actually family. I could always move on. And maybe you take comfort because you think, well, I mean, I had friends in high school and now we don't even talk to each other, but I'm fine. But the Bible's clear on this. We need friends. The book of Proverbs talks about friendship It says this in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in the time of need. That friendship that's so close that it really does start to feel like family. It says this just a chapter later, there are friends who destroy each other, but real friends, real friends stick closer than a brother. Now I'm not here to say that any sort of relationship is more superior to another. But what I am saying is there is something very special and unique about friendship. See, friendship is, not something that you, that, friendship is not something that you hop into simply because you've got this emotional rush, this pounding inside of your chest. At the same time, it's not the kind of relationship that you hop into because you're forced to, because you're family, and that's what, just what you have to do. It's the kind of relationship that you choose to get into. 
There are so many ways out. No commitment. And so when you have a long-lasting friend, you've got something powerful. And so when God says to us, I'm comparing my relationship to you in all sorts of different ways, to that of someone who loves someone like a spouse. I compare you to a relationship like a family. I also compare you to a friend. I have every way out right now. And I'm not going anywhere. It's nice to believe that we could have friends in this world. In fact, I think that sometimes we want to get from acquaintance to friends, right? So on this side, we've got, I'm just going to put A because acquaintance is long and I don't want to accidentally misspell it. And then over here, you know what? I am going to do it. I'm going to do acquaintance. We'll just do acquaint. Awesome. And then over here, we've got friend, mainly because I don't want just this side of the, the, the board to say F. So anyway, so we go from acquaintance to friends and we wish, I really wish I could get from acquaintanceship to friendship, but there's this wall that's in between. And sometimes I feel so frustrated because I sit over here where all I do is talk. With acquaintanceship, acquaintance, with acquaintances, all I do is talk, but with a friend, I would be heard. And with an acquaintance, maybe sometimes they think of me. And I know you can't see it very well, so just bear with me, but a friend thinks about me. And there's a difference, isn't there? You know, an acquaintance, maybe we're just polite. But a friend cares. But truth be told, sometimes it feels like it is impossible to get from an acquaintance to a friend. Because the time that we finally start to build up a friendship with someone that's meaningful and one I don't want to leave, life moves. And we're distant. It says this just one book later. It says beautiful things about friendship. Just one book later. All you have to do is turn your Bible one book from the book of Proverbs to the book of Ecclesiastes. And all of a sudden the biblical authors go from friendship is beautiful to everything is meaningless. Completely meaningless. Every single friend that I had is gone. What if you had it all but nobody to call? Well, that'd be oh so lonely. It's all meaningless. Let's go forward a slide again and talk about friendship because I, I don't want to leave that verse up on the slide and leave you um, wondering. How do we get friends? How do we get that? And maybe you're a person you're saying, no, I'm fine by myself. Like, no, I don't need that in my life. Friendship doesn't make you weak just because you need that support in your life. Friendship makes you human. It's spooky season, right? Because it's October. We're getting close to Halloween. So I'm thinking of Frankenstein. Uh, anybody ever see the old Frankenstein movies? On the next slide here, it looks like this. You've got Frankenstein on the right. I, I don't know if you can tell which one is Frankenstein. Um, but Frankenstein, there are all these movies that came out a long time ago, and Frankenstein was like roaring outside of this man's house one time, and this man who's in the house is playing his violin, and Frankenstein is drawn to the house because of the beauty. But Frankenstein is out in this, uh, in this far-off location, has only stumbled across this place by accident because he's trying to get away from other people who won't accept him, who won't welcome him. At the very best, he is an acquaintance, but most of the time, he's an enemy. He cannot cross the line from acquaintance to friend. And as he stumbles across this house where there's this beautiful sound coming from inside, there's a man who's playing, and as soon as Frankenstein realizes that noise is coming from a person, he tries to hide. Because everything's meaningless, isn't it? Every single friendship that I try to build up eventually crashes down around me, and then I feel oh so lonely once again. 
Frankenstein doesn't know that the man inside this house is a blind man. He can't see, and so when Frankenstein comes into his presence, the blind man senses that there's a man there, and he figures out Frankenstein can't speak, and Frankenstein realizes that the blind man can't see, and all of a sudden, they're in this together, and the, and the blind man falls to his knees, and he says, oh, thank you, Lord. You've connected me with someone who feels the same affliction that I feel, and so the blind man says to Frankenstein, maybe we could be friends. Maybe we could help one another. We find ourselves in friendship when we're at that point, when we feel alone, and all of a sudden, we, are t- we turn to our right, we turn to our left, and to our great surprise, someone's there. And you look at him and they say, you too? They say, yeah. Yeah, me too. And it jumps us from acquaintance to friend. In the great surprise of the entire history of the universe, as humanity walks lonely through, human- lonely through history, and we wake up every now and then feel like we're in the middle of an empty auditorium, distant from everyone, we turn to our right, we turn to our left, and to our great surprise, God himself shows up. And we say, God, you, you too? He says, yeah. Yeah, me too. We know this because Jesus says, I have friends. In John chapter 15, the last night of Jesus' life before he was killed, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He knows what's coming his way, and he decides, I need to be with my friends. That moment when Jesus felt isolated, cosmically isolated, about to go off and do a kind of death that no one has ever quite experienced before. He looks at his friends and he says, I need this. You are my friends. And they look back at him and they say, you, you, even you, God. Yeah, me too. We find that common ground. Who are the friends you've made in your life? What was the moment that made you their friend? What was the moment that made them your friend? What was the moment that crossed you over that line from acquaintance to friend? On this next slide here, I've got a friend. His name is Eric. Eric and I are really close friends. We've been really close friends for 10 years now. We met my freshman year of college. We met my freshman year of college at an event. It was a, uh, it was a tie blanket event. And it was coming up on Christmas season. And so we were making all these tie blankets. And we are going to be delivering them to the community around us. And I'm like, well, that's a great thing to get involved in. So I show up. And there's Christmas music playing everywhere. And I'm thinking, this is wonderful. There's all these people here that I can meet. It's great. Now there's the Christmas music playing. It's jolly. There's cookies everywhere. And I'm just thinking, oh, there are all these people that I just talked to. But now they're going to hear me. I think, oh, but they'll think about me. Now we don't have to be polite. We can really care about each other. We're serving with one another. This is great. I get so into the conversation with the people around me, I'm just like dying to know them. I'm like that dog who just like pounces on you and like, I don't know you. Hi! And then once everybody gets done with their side, and I'm supposed to be done with my side of the tie blanket where you tie the pieces together, I look down and I realize I didn't tie the two pieces of fabric together. Instead, I was just tying one piece of fabric to itself over and over again. Because I just wanted a friend. And they're like, okay, don't worry about it. We'll fix it. No, seri- I try to fix it. No, seriously, don't worry about it. We'll fix it. They fix it. We do the second blanket. I did it again. 
And this time they said, hey, why don't we find another job for you? And so I went over to the registration table and I welcomed people in. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting by myself at this registration table. Oh, so lonely. And I'm looking over at all these people eating their perfect little Christmas cookies and singing hollow, hollow, the holiday lights, whatever the song is. I don't, that's not a Christmas song. <laughs> I was like matching fa la 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 yeah, anyway. I'm looking over at them. I'm like, oh, you and all your friends, here I am. I'm stuck over here. How do I get from acquaintance to friend? As I'm sitting there by myself, I don't know. I never asked him. I don't know if he had mercy on me or if he made the same mistake, but there's an empty seat next to me and Eric sits next to me and he's like, hey, I'm Eric. And I look at him and I go, you too? Realistically, no, probably. He just saw me in my misery. And we hit it off and we're friends. We had this conversation and I'm not distracted by the conversation while I'm trying to do another job. So instead we can really engage in this conversation instead of just talking, now I feel heard. Instead of being thought of, I feel like somebody's thinking about me. Instead of just having someone be polite to me, I feel like someone actually cares about me. I look to my right, I look to my left, and to my great surprise, someone's there. You know, romantic love, we look face to face. Family love, maybe we're linking arms, but oftentimes, again, we turn in face to face. We sit across from one another at the table. But friendship love, it's almost like you're shoulder to shoulder, side to side. And you're inviting that person next to you to look and see the world the way that you see it. And they invite you to see the world the way that they see it. It's not romantic love, it's not family love, but it's friendship love. Side by side, shoulder to shoulder. You too? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Back to the scene where Jesus is with his disciples. Jesus is saying, okay, so we're going to build this friendship, right? Jesus says, he says, okay, so you are my friends if you, do my, if you follow what I command. Now, at first, that seems a little bit conditional, right? You think, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. So I'm friends with Jesus if I do what he commands. Well, what does Jesus command? Okay, on the next slide here, Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. You know, this is the way that I've loved you. Go ahead and love people like that. If you can love people the way that I've loved you, you're great. You can do it. So maybe we get in that situation where we're like, okay, I've got this ideal friend. I mean, especially if Jesus is at your table and he's saying, you're my friend. You're like, that's my ideal friend. Like, this is the person who I needed to show up next to me at the table to take me from acquaintance to friend. This is great. But for a moment, that leaves us a little bit hopeless because it makes us longing for that friend, no doubt. But it also crushes us because we think, I could never be that friend. I, I can't love people like you love people, Jesus. I mean, you're perfect. Jesus was so consistent. I mean, what makes a friend so great? I think the things that make a friend so great is a friend lets you in. They give you that vulnerability to say, hey, let's see the world the way that one another sees the world. I'll let you in. I'll give you that vulnerability. See the world the way that I see it. But then there's a second part to a friend. It is, I will relentlessly show up for you. You know, an acquaintance says, hey, if you need me, call me. But a friend says, I'm here. Jesus consistently shows up for his friends. There's a wedding, Jesus shows up. When his disciples are at work fishing, Jesus shows up. When some of his friends are mourning the loss of a friend, Jesus shows up to a funeral. He lets them in. 
In that same passage in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I don't call you my servants anymore. I call you my friends because I've revealed to you everything about me. There are no secrets with me. I've let you in. And I don't need you to call for me when you're in trouble. I'm there. And for a moment, that's just a little bit soul-crushing, and it makes us want to whimper back over to the side of acquaintance. Because I don't think I can do that. Man, Eric and I, we were such good friends. Eric, though, was a great friend. I was an okay friend. Like, I provided the humor to our friendship. We, were, we ended up being roommates, and uh, uh, Eric was so great about never hitting the snooze button, and he was also so great about reminding me when I hit it for the seventh time, right? You know? Unfortunately for Eric, though, I was on the, uh, the morning TV news show at Warburg College, and so my alarm went off every single morning at 3.50. 3.50 in the morning so I could go and do the weather. Weatherman Dan. Oh, man, my best line was when it would be raining, I would say, teardrops fall in the sky, from, not from your eyes. I don't get it to this day what I meant. But I'm like, <laughs> people love it. And so I get done with the show. I mean, I'd be so excited thinking like I'm walking across campus. I'd keep my suit on the rest of the day. Like, any of you see me on the news this morning? Anyone? Anyone? You know? Or maybe like somebody asks like, why are you dressed up? I'm like, oh, that's funny. That's funny. What'd you think of my forecast? Like, who are you? You know, run across campus. I have to do the news! When you go to a small little college in northeastern Iowa, it turns out no one watches the news. And so, like, I don't know why. I just continued to convince myself people cared. But I think that I was able to at least trick myself into believing that people cared for a little bit because I'd get done. Nobody would talk to me about it throughout the entire day. Then at the end of the day, when Eric and I are hanging out, winding down, he'd look at me and say, hey, that line about the tears coming from your eyes in the sky, that was great. The show was on at five in the morning. And he showed up and he watched. No one watched that show. But he did. He let me into his life by sitting down at the table with me. But our friendship built because he continued to show up. And so not only like, was it kind of a relief for him to show up in those places, I was encouraged to stand side by side with him. Oh man, we need people like that these days. We need people like that who are not just providing service for people, but are providing friendship for people. There's an island off of Massachusetts. We can go to the next slide because I really don't want to see my face anymore. There's an island off of Massachusetts, and for a long time, for generations... Uh, the island had so many people, generation after generation, so many people who were born deaf. And what they found to be interesting was is the people on that island, very isolated. It was so isolated that they didn't have any services for those deaf people. Like they didn't have anything to offer them. They just said, you have to be a part of our, our world. You have to be a part of our life. So if you're going to survive here, I guess you just got to do it. But what they found to be really interesting was is that the people who were deaf and the people who were not deaf, there was hardly any difference between the two of them. The people who were deaf graduated from high school at the same rate as people who were not deaf. 
The people who were deaf got married at the same rate as the people who were not deaf and had families at the same rate as the people who were not deaf. Meanwhile, if you just get off the island and come over to Massachusetts, you'd see plenty of services, plenty of places where people could provide help and support. Hey, if somebody's deaf, they could come in here. And yet we know that people who are deaf in our country today, they are completely forgotten, completely marginalized, left out because we, th we think they're different. And so we just provide services to them. And it's good, it's important, we need to do that. We really do. But on the island where they had no services for these people, every single person there learned sign language. So they didn't just offer them service through acquaintanceship, they offered them friendship. We are in desperate need of people who are willing to go beyond serve and instead befriend. I don't, I don't know, I, I reflect over this and I think about it, I'm like, why do some people hate the church? Like, why do some people hate Christians? I don't know, sometimes I wonder if it's because when we say that we're serving, what we really mean is, I'm better than you. So here's my hand, and if you can climb up, you can come on up, let's go, that's good. We need Christians who are willing to learn the language of people. Everywhere. Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And sometimes as Christians, we can think, I'm doing that. I'm getting out of my way. I've inconvenienced myself from time to time. So I must be laying down my life for other people. I beg to differ because I think that this part is the reason why we really feel like we cannot be the kind of friend that Jesus is. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Even if you go so far as to literally die for somebody else. Isn't it interesting? The person that I die for is going to die too. I haven't quite literally given my life for that person. I've, I've exchanged years. I've lost a few years and they've gained a few years. And it's a beautiful, powerful, deepest kind of sacrifice that a person can make for someone else. Truly, to exchange their years for somebody else's. But the fact of the matter is every single one of us, all of us, we have this looming feeling where it's like, and sometimes we just have to become real with it, where it's like, I'm walking toward an empty auditorium. And my fate is the same as everybody else's. And someday I'm scared that I'm going to be alone. I mean, I could fill my life with all the friends in the world. And they could even be really deep friendships. They could be really wonderful friendships. I mean, we could go to bat for each other. We could let one another in. We could show up for one another every single time that we're called upon. But no matter how many friends I fill my life with, the truth is, at the end, we've all got the same thing. And what's going to happen then? 
I have no more years left to give that person. That person has no more years left to give me. Oh, come on. I need a friend. I need an even better friend than the ideal friend that I had in my mind. And I don't believe that it can exist because I know, I know that I can't be that friend. So how could it possibly exist? Jesus Christ is the only one who is not walking toward death. He is the only one who's not forced to go that way. He's the only one who could look death face to face and say, you are not allowed to touch me. He's the only one who could actually give his life. That's your friend. He's not exchanging years with you. He's giving you his life. And here's all he says about it. Remain in me. I don't know. Do I just have to try harder? Is there more that I can do? Do I just have to try harder? Be a better Christian? No, Jesus says in four consecutive verses, remain in me. You want to know how you do this? You want to know how you experience my friendship? You want to know how you share this friendship with other people? Just remain in me. Remain in me, he says again. Remain in me, he says a third time. Remain in me, he says a fourth time. And then in verse nine, you heard it tonight in the reading, he finally just says, and that looks like just remaining in my love. Sometimes as Christians, we think, I've just got to try harder. I've just got to do more. I've just got to serve more. All really important things. God's not going to be mad at you for trying harder. (laughs) But what if you remained in his love? What if the way to be a friend is to experience God as your friend? Look, we're going to let him down. We know we're going to let him down. But that doesn't stop God from showing up for you. Let me give you just one more example tonight. In the book of Matthew, it says this in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus has left the dinner with his friends and now he's going to pray in this garden because he knows what's coming his way and he brings his closest three friends with him. He says, okay, I needed my, I needed my 12 group, my, my group of 12 friends with me in that moment, but now like this is the moment. Like I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be arrested and then I'm gonna be killed and it's gonna all go downhill from there. I need to be with my friends. We need to spend time in prayer. And Jesus says, okay, you guys stay here and you pray with me. And then Jesus goes off a little way and then he spends time and he prays to his father. Jesus comes back and he finds his disciples and what are they doing? They are sleeping. Can you imagine if you had a friend who tells you, I feel like I'm going to die. I need you here. And they fell asleep. Jesus asks them, could you watch me? Could you watch with me only one hour? Couldn't you have done it for even an hour? But Jesus doesn't send him off. He says, okay, okay, keep praying. So he goes off and he prays a little bit more by himself and he's praying to the Father. And then he comes back and what do you know? The disciples are sleeping again. They fell asleep on God. I mean, my goodness, sometimes we're so entertained by our friends, so blown away, we're like, I can't keep my eyes off of you. And the disciples have gotten the flesh in front of him and they're falling asleep. 
This God who showed up to their weddings, to their work, to their funerals of loved ones. This guy who never let them down, he performed miracles for them. He gave them power to perform miracles through him with other people. He taught them everything that they knew. And they fall asleep on him. They fall asleep on him. You're no friend of God. So if I tell you the conclusion of that piece of my friendship with Eric, like, Eric and I had totally different sleep schedules, right? But Eric would wake up no matter what to watch me on the news. He wouldn't fall asleep on me, you know? There was one morning where I wake up and I didn't have the news that morning. But instead I woke up in a panic. It was my senior year of college. We were like maybe three or four weeks away from graduation. I remember I woke up in this panic. I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what was coming after graduation. I was scared. All sorts of pressures in life felt like they were falling on me. So I wake up and I'm like, Eric, Eric, wake up. right up doesn't tell me to go back to sleep he doesn't ignore me he stays awake with me and I'm standing there and I'm just weeping I'm like dude I don't know what's wrong with me and I like you guys this isn't so like I'm, I'm Lutheran through and through. I'm a Norwegian, right? So like emotions are not something I like to do in daily life. I know I cry up here sometimes, okay? But I, I just lost control. And so I eventually, I just fall to the ground. And I'm laying there. And I'm such an inconvenience to Eric at this moment. But Eric stands up. And he ignores how uncomfortable it was going to make me feel. And he just laid down next to me. And he put one arm over me. And like most college guys, we slept in our underwear, so it was super weird. (laughs) That's an ideal friend. Jesus is beyond an ideal friend. Jesus is a true to the true to the truest friend. He comes back to his disciples that have been sleeping for a second time. They fell asleep on him. And he doesn't shoo them away. He doesn't ignore them. He says, go ahead and sleep. But the time has come. I've been betrayed by my friends but you sleep, you lay down, I will cover you, and I will give my life for you.
It's not romantic love, it's not family love, but it's hard not to get emotional about that kind of friendship love, isn't it? I'll cover you. I'll let you in. You'll never have to call me because I'll already be there. And even when you fall asleep on me, Jesus tells us it's okay because you didn't choose me. I chose you. You didn't recruit me to be your friend. I've made you my friend. How do we get from acquaintance to friends? With God? I mean, we want this for our social lives, right? But in a much deeper sense, we need this for our souls. Jesus says, I'll find a way to break through for you. I hear you talking. I don't just think of you, I think about you. I'm not just polite, I care about you. He is your friend. He's your friend. Amen. You stand and sing with us.